I might hurt someone's feelings, maybe some swerf that might listen to this or whatever, but like, honestly, I think the most feminist thing you can do is be a sex worker. Thank you for joining us for another episode of On the Horizon, a podcast about what's on the horizon for sex workers and how to navigate it. I'm Jesse Sage, and you can find me on Twitter at sapiotextual and at jessiesage.com. And I am Melrose Michaels, and you can find me at Melrose Michaels on social and at melrosemichaels.com. Also, just as a reminder, if you're joining the podcast um, on Apple, please leave us a five-star rating and review us. It really helps us grow as a podcast and better share information from our guests to the sex work community as a whole. Absolutely. And last but not least, if you want to support the podcast, please go to anchor.fm forward slash horizon spelled W-H-O-R-I-Z-O-N to become a premium subscriber on the podcast, which unlocks you two bonus episodes each month on the 8th and 22nd between our regularly scheduled episodes. And we'll give you access to tons of exclusive footage of ourselves and our guests. Loomis is free and affordable ads and social networks without the anti-sex work rhetoric. Assembly 4 is a team of sex workers and technologists from Melbourne, Australia, aiming to bring back free and fair advertising and social spaces to the sex work community. They also give back to organizations based in harm reduction, sex work, and education. Stepping away from the clunky design of traditional platforms, their two products, Tris.link and Sweater.at, are refreshing and well-needed changes in both presentation and mission. Both are free to join and open to all. In the words of an A4 user, from the policies to the language to the advice and tips, it makes such a big difference to feel encouraged and supported instead of policed. Check out their website, assembly4.com, for the word, not the number, for more info. Today, we are going to be discussing body neutrality with Ramona Flower, Jacqueline Harris, and Trip Richards. So, yeah, we're really excited exciting. because these are people from totally different sides of the like sex work industry. So yes. I think it'll be and different kinds of bodies. So I think that'll be like really exciting. Yes, it's going to be cool to see the dynamic of how people had to kind of reflect on agency of their body in an industry mm-hmm. where we share so much of ourselves with with other people yeah. um and also just our own you know personal experiences between us and our body yeah because yeah. it's different for everyone yeah do you feel like um so yeah i mean one of the things that you're saying is that we um we share our bodies with everybody like as performers as sex workers um our bodies are as our bodies as sex workers are much more public than yes. other bodies. And I think like even going back to episode one, when we were talking to Caitlin Bailey about like, what is the prostitute or what is the sex work? It's like the public woman, yes. you know? And so, I mean, not everyone that we're talking to identifies as women, but like uh, the idea of like a whore is somebody who's like, public and yes. our bodies are public and our bodies are we we become these public figures when we're sex workers. And so our relationship to our body is like, I think very different than a lot of people. And so I was wondering, like, for you, like, what do you think has been different for you? Like, or I know you've been doing this since you were like younger, but like, how do you think that's impacted your relationship to your own body? You know, it's interesting because my background and my experience was I've always I until I got into sex work, I had a very negative relationship with my body. So Mm. um, out of high school, you know, I I was in a really bad relationship and I wasn't a super secure individual in general. Mm. Um, And I also I grew up in a place where I was not the standard of beauty at all. I grew Mm. up in a predominantly uh, Latin and a black area. And that was like Mm. 
that was my local, you know, community's reference of beauty was not the super pale redheaded mutant that I was in <laughs> high school. Um, so I was kind of like, I was ostracized, I was bullied, and I was on the outskirts of things. So um, going into my adolescence and being a young adult, you know, I, I developed an eating disorder, I developed a lot of body dysmorphia, um, I treated myself very cruelly, and I ended up, you know, having to get a team together and like a therapist, a psychiatrist, all of these yeah. things, a nutritionist to kind of right my wrongs and the way I had treated myself. But it, with all the help and all the, the team I had on my side, mm -hmm. because I was privileged to have the resource yeah. of, and to have my mom be like, we're fixing this. Um, <laughs> but because I had that, it still didn't really impact me and change the way I viewed myself until I got into sex work, yeah. sex work and seeing myself on content or particularly on yeah. a live cam situation where I'm getting instant feedback mm -hmm. from a group full of fans who are telling me you're beautiful yeah. you're perfect mm -hmm. you're all these things um given their your your own fan club but it's kind of yeah. like it works against that negative inner voice that i'm thinking anyways yeah, to right. have this positive reinforcement in real time mm -hmm. correcting my bad mental behavior to myself yeah i've had a really similar experience like i mean i i have i i shouldn't say that um i should say that sex work um had a similar impact on me yeah. i didn't i didn't come in with like eating disorders or anything like that but i feel like um the things that I like, so I began my um, sex work in cam and mm. which I think a lot of people do yeah. in these days, but like I started off as a camera and what I found is that the things that I was super self-conscious about are the things that my fans really liked yeah. and like picked up on and was like, Oh, like, okay. I mean, this is now going to sound strange because like I had a breast reconstruction. Um, and one of the reasons I did that is because I had like tubular breasts that I hated and like puffy nipples. And I had to, and so it's funny now that I'm saying I fixed the thing that like I'm going to talk about, but it's still a good example because like I hated, hated that. And then I would go on cam and people would be like, oh my God, I love that. Like that's yeah. the, like I, I hardly ever see boobs like this. Like it's the best. And um, it made me, I still wanted to change those eventually, but it didn't, it changed me from thinking like there's some I'm deformed to like this is just a different a different thing, kind of body a different kind of body that people really like I felt the same way about like cellulite like I was convinced that cellulite was like a terrible thing mm. and I have lots of cellulite because I'm built as somebody who like has carries a lot of weight in like my hips and my butt and um I'm like wait all kinds of women yeah have cellulite of all different kinds of bodies and people really like that and it's like womanly and I didn't think about that until I was in sex work and people were like yeah. oh my god I love your thick thighs oh my god like your butt is amazing oh I love your puffy nipples and I'm like you guys do like what <laughs> you know it's be, it, this would be also really good to touch on because we've had this discussion mm -hmm. about when you were considering your breast dog you kept putting it off I did I kept putting it off and it wasn't it, it was it wasn't because my fans liked it like I wanted to change that and that yeah. wasn't going to change but it was because I had this thing in my head like you're going to be judged for that. Like, because I felt like body positivity, this idea of body positivity was something that like, if I didn't accept every single thing that I didn't like about myself, then I was a really bad example, you know, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. people would tell me that I was a bad example, or they would think that like my attempts to be, um, accepting of all bodies was bullshit because yeah. I didn't like my own boobs or something. And then I've, I've done a lot of thinking about this since then, because I, I put it off, I put it down to a deposit and I didn't follow through with it for three years. Like I kept crazy. calling them and I was like, never mind, put it, I I'm busy six months, do it in six months. And then six months would come and I'd be like, no, 
push it down the line. And luckily my surgeon like kept my deposit for that long. Wow. But, um, but yeah, it was a really big decision for me. And then I felt so dumb because right after I did it, I was like, Oh my God, this is the best thing. I don't know why I didn't do this 10 years ago. And then I realized that like that thinking was weird because it was not allowing me to experience my body in the way that I wanted to yeah. experience it. Yeah. It was like allowing other people's opinions. Of, it was still allowing other people's opinions of my body to shape my body. Yeah. And you know, my experience, even with my breast aug is so opposite. Like I can't given I was like a child model at like 12 or whatever. And yeah. so my experience was like, oh, of course I'm getting breast aug. Like that's what you do. Like if you want to stay in this industry and still model, like yeah, yeah that's the next logical step. You turn 18, 19, whatever you get, you get your breast done. And so I was like 41. I, I was seeing this is you were I a was, grown adult too. <laughs> I was forty one when I got my breast done. I was uh, two. I would have been nine, eighteen or nineteen wow, when I did so it. That's so different. And I jumped in. Yeah. I had no. I did no research. I, wow. I was go-go dancing at the time. So I knew like 12 models or go-go dancers yeah. relevant to my like s tiny community of people that I knew yeah. um, who all went to the same doctor and who all had phenomenal results. So that yeah. was like my research pools. Yeah. Like, oh, you like them? Great. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I jumped in, got a console, got it done. Um, I, yeah, I, there was no contemplation for me. It it's was so always the expectation. Yeah. It was baked into my experience was this was the next logical step in your career. This is what you have to yeah. do. Yeah. That's so, yeah, that's so awesome opposite for me but now yeah. like yeah I mean I think that that's all like really interesting I mean one of the things that's been really interesting for me is like part of my um you know I got into sex work really late in life I was 36 when I started doing sex work I'm 43 now it's been seven years um and um I before I got into sex work I was really thin, like I was a hundred pounds less than I am now. And part of that was because I was a marathon runner. Um, and I think, you know, being a marathon runner, like fucks up your metabolism. So as soon yeah. as you're not running 60 miles a week, your body's like, what? And yeah. totally freaks out. <laughs> but, um, a lot of things happened in my life. Like I was a marathon runner. I did like, um, exercise like crazy, um, which maybe could have been considered disordered, but it didn't feel like that because it was less about my body and more just about like, that's a thing that, that I did, that I yeah. liked it. It was my hobby. And um, then I got a divorce, like a lot of things happened that just radically changed my lifestyle. And with that, I put on like a lot of weight. And my weight is something that's like, I have a weird relationship to because um I don't think of myself as a fat person because I was never a fat person. Mm -hmm. Like it's not like baked into my head that like, like I know I talk to a lot of fat people and they're like, Oh, I was picked on forever. And I'm like, I wasn't cause I was a size two. Like, you know, yeah. I, and I still think of myself as like from that lens. Cause that's how I spent most of my life, yeah. you know? And then when I went into sex work, um, now I'm a size 16. I was probably like a 12 or something when I came in and it's like kind of gone up. Um, I have my fans and my clients make comments all the time about my body. And especially when I was doing a lot of porn, putting me in BBW categories, mm. talking about my body, like that being like first and foremost um, in the interactions that we were having, like, Oh, I find you really attractive. And I love curvy women. I love BBWs. Like, and I'm like, and for a while that was jarring to me. I was like, what? Like, yeah, you're putting me in a category with BBWs. Like that's not how I think of my own body. And then, um, but it also wasn't like negative to me. I was just like weird. Yeah. Like it was almost like I disassociated from that. I was like, huh, okay. Um, I'm glad you're here, you yeah. know, but like I didn't really take it in. And then 
Um, and then it started happening with my writing too, which was really interesting. Like I found that like uh, women would come to, so men would come to me like as fans, but mm-hmm. women would come to me and say, I love your writing. And I feel really good that like a fat woman is writing these things. And I'm like, wait, was I talking about being fat? And I'll, then wow. I'll go back to my writing and I'll be like, I wasn't talking about being fat, but then I'm like, that's not what it's about for them. It's yeah. that they see themselves in me and are like, Oh, but she's like carrying herself like yeah. in, a, in a way and in a sexual light too. a lot of the writing yeah, is so is so like sexual. And I find that um, it's been this very kind of strange experience for me where I've like never really I'm not um, self-conscious about my body. And I think part of the reason I'm not self-conscious about my body is because like. I came into this, so I, I became heavier so much later and it coincided with being a sex worker mm-hmm. and you get so much like, I get a lot of people discussing my body, but also like, it's very positive. Yeah. So like, it's been this strange, positive, like transformation. A very that, outside the norm experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When you said disassociated, disassociated with that, like that uh, relationship, yeah. that strikes me because in this is not that typical body conversation, but for me, something that's been very hard for me to grapple with, and I'm sure this is going to sound stupid to most people, but I really struggle with my skin tone. Like there isn't ever since I was young, that was like the thing that set me apart. And it really like, well, aside from like being sunburned all the time, (laughs) um, like that was really hard for me. And, and even now, like you can tell, like I look tan, I look I don't look like the, the ginger category of a redhead um, because I, I do all the spray tan and the lotions and all the stuff because yeah. I still can't deal with that. And, I, and the thing that so takes yeah. me back is like if I just was my like natural skin tone and like ginger self, I would make more money because I would yeah. fit into that redhead stereotype, which does really well and is very niche. Yeah. But I can't come to terms with it in myself even now. And I, yeah. I know that saying it out loud. My husband can attest to this because he's the one rubbing me down with tanning lotion and has orange palms is that like this is still something I'm dealing with. And it might sound so small and minute and, it, and I and I agree. And it's I'm coming from a privileged privileged mm-hmm. position saying this but like that is something like I can never wake up and just be like I'm comfortable in my own skin because I'm not yeah that it's, hasn't been my experience it's so interesting because the first time you said something to me when we were like together about being a redhead I was like oh yeah it's like my dirty secret like people don't know I'm a real ginger I was like you are a redhead and I don't know why it didn't like click to me like it's not that I didn't know what you look like but I don't know I just didn't register it as like a redhead yeah I yeah. don't know why and uh, that's like what I'm like <laughs> And then I was like, wait, but what color did I think your hair was? And I was yeah. like, I guess it's red. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it all adds up, checks out. <laughs> yeah, that's red hair. Okay. Yeah, so I have that experience yeah. too with the disassociation because like, I, and it's something I'm still dealing with. And I'm sure, mm-hmm. like, again, I'm sure it sounds stupid, but to yeah. like want like three days out of the week where I'm not tan because my, my spray tan is crinkling off and like little strips off my body yeah. and I can't mm-hmm. shoot content because I don't feel pretty or like a... I don't yeah. know, desirable. Yeah. That shapes the way I run my business and the way I live my life. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, it's really interesting. It's interesting when our like to live in a world in which like your body is your commodity, yeah. which is the world that your we product, live in. Yeah. And your product. Um, yeah. And to like 
what happens when your body is your product like that is that the people that you attract like are telling you what it is all the time about you that has brought them and a lot of it is like their associations with your body type that may or may not be what your associations with your body type is or what you find attractive about your body so like even like the when it comes to hair like oh I want you to have a blush like I don't I can't stand feeling like I need to be like clean shaven or waxed so like do I do it for the money or do I do what I enjoy about my body and being comfortable in my my skin yeah I hate my belly like I do not like having a belly I wish I had a flat stomach and I have like clients who are like I love your belly like and want to talk about that and I'm like that's great I'm glad you like it I would get rid of it if I could Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I and I wouldn't even feel bad about it yeah um and I Um, I mean, I don't like, it's not something that I like actively think that much about, but like when I do think about it, when I stand in the mirror, I'm like, "Mm, not, I'm not into it. Yeah. No. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, our guests, I think our guests share a lot of these same experiences and then, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the very individual experiences. Do you have content before your, uh, body modifications? Like any content? Me? Of, yeah. 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 Oh, okay. So I don't, I don't, I don't really have that with my boobs. Yeah. My boobs were done already. So I was like, this is me now. Kind yeah. Of. Yeah, I do. And I talked a lot about it. I wrote about it before I did it. Um, and I wrote about it afterwards. Um, and, um, I had a lot of clients and fans who talked to me about the fact that they felt conflicted about mm. my boob job. Um, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that they were like, not sure if it was anti-feminist of them mm. to like my mod- modifications. Um, and that was interesting because I kind of felt like I had to, um, I don't know, because I like really love them and I want to be like, love, look at my big boobs, like love them. <laughs> and then when people are like, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to like them. I'm like, no, 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 look. <laughs> like, so That's going to be the clip that demonetizes us on YouTube. P.S. No. Um, but, yeah. yeah. I and I that. think that like, it's funny. And, the funny like for me personally like the weird thing about it for me too is that um I got my implants done on the same week that PJ started chemo oh wow and he got really really sick like right as I was recovering from the surgery and it's so funny because I knew that he was starting to feel better because like a year after my implants he's like wow, your tits look really nice, which he like didn't notice the whole first year that I had them because he was sick and um so there was also like a part of me that was like, I'm not supposed to be that excited about my body while like his body is going through something like really traumatic for that's him. That's complex. That's yeah. very complex. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's like, <laughs> you took me back. That I did not know that. That's yeah, wild. It was, it was a whole thing. We actually did a vice documentary. Like vi- we did a vice documentary and they came down to our house. This is another body thing actually. And taped us for two days and then did this whole documentary about us as like this couple that does porn. And it was the week that he started um, chemo and the week that I got implants, but it was before that. Wow. And I'm speaking of like body stuff. Like I got just like blasted by YouTube people who were like, she is so fat. And it was so unbelievably mean like they said things like she looks like she eats like a tub of mayonnaise every day for breakfast they said things like um she's a whale how does she make any money like she could actually make it was brutal like so brutal and not only that but it came out and people were doing that like right after pj my husband had surgery for cancer and was really really sick like he was barely hanging on and i'm like sitting i was having this weird like 
out of out of body experience where like he was like really sick we were in a medical emergency situation um the thing came out so i was getting a lot of comments about that my only fans was popping off because like four million people watched yeah. that video so like a bunch of people were subscribing but on top of that like i was just getting like mean comment after mean comment after mean comment after mean wow. comment and um it was really jarring at first and then suddenly i was like I, I don't know. I think that was a good initiation, honestly, into like other people viewing your body because I felt super embarrassed about the video after it came out because I was like, these people like hate my body. And then I was like, what? Five million people watch this video. And they a bunch subscribed. They can't all hate it. These are like trolls who yeah. are pissed off that like I'm getting attention and I'm not what like the porn people are supposed to like. And I was like, you know what? Fuck them. And then like, I think that because that was so intense, like anything that's come after that, I'm like bulletproof, whatever. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. What a perfect storm. That's, yeah. that's intense. It was really intense. Like PJ didn't even let me read him any of the comments. He's like, I can't, yeah. I can't do this. Yeah. And then my friend Barple, who's going to be on the show later, um, on later episodes, she was such a friend. Like, this is a true friend. She was like, do not read this. I'm reporting all of these people. So she like kind Aww. of like um she like modded. She yeah, modded the YouTube content. She was I love like, her. I'm reporting all of this. And I don't think that a lot of it didn't get taken down because they don't care if you yeah. call somebody fat on YouTube. Um but but yeah, I mean that's a friend who's like, don't read the comments. I got yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So well, okay. Well, I, that's our experiences, and yeah. I'm I'm sure a lot of you listening, especially the sex workers who tune in, you've shared some of these uh, experiences as well. But I guess without further ado, we can we can get into it. Yeah. Ramona Flower is a 30 year old queer second generation sex worker, artist, and model living and working in Brooklyn, New York. Hi, Ramona. Thank you for joining us. Hi, ladies. How are you? Good. We're happy to have you here. Yes. Wonderful to meet you. (laughs) Can you tell our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do? Um, All right. So I'm Ramona Flower. I'm a 30-year-old sex worker. I live in uh, New York now, New York City. Um, I've been in the industry since 2012. So yeah, I was a long like time. 2021 20, when I started, and now I'm like 30, so it's been a minute. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I've done a lot of different types of sex work. I started on um, live streaming platforms, got into camming, used to be like a fetish model, um, and then I've gone into in-person work um, and conventions and other types of sex work as well, so... Yeah, you've done a lot. <laughs> yes. I think there's a lot of, like we were discussing before we hit record, like that fat phobia that comes into play. Like, and I don't mm-hmm. know if everyone listening is going to understand that concept in in depth. So like, how would you explain that to someone maybe who doesn't understand that word, I guess, that terminology? Um, I don't even know where to go. I feel like when people have those feelings of like body dysmorphia Mm -hmm. like not in the context of like um gender dysmorphia because i think that's totally different like the experience of of trans and non-binary people is i think separate from Mm -hmm. the issue that i'm talking about of like body um dysmorphia but i feel like when you have those moments of um, grappling with those internal things and you maybe don't deal with it. I think that's body fat. That's body, you know, fat phobia. Um, I think we've heard time and time again, like fat people aren't afraid of being fat. 
thin people are afraid of being fat and why are we why are we afraid of those things and I think as a sex worker for me I understand the reasons that I would maybe be concerned with those things um because like how I interact with the male gaze and how I'm seen um on a visual level also directly impacts how much money I make Mm -hmm. uh, my opportunities my status um, my security, my safety, like so many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if you don't, if you're, if you have a lot of privilege, a lot of body privilege, I should say, you maybe don't necessarily even know that your body, you're not body positive or that you are yeah. experiencing, um, you know, these issues because of fat phobia like mm-hmm. you know what I mean it's like yeah. yeah I feel that a lot when I like as a bigger body person will like use the term fat and thin people get really like uptight about that word like if I call myself fat in some context they're like don't say that you're beautiful and I'm like I didn't say that I wasn't beautiful I said that I was fat <laughs> um, and yeah. they like they struggle with that word and it's like mm-hmm. That for me is just like, like you got to do the work, like you got to unpack that, like Mm -hmm. that's not for me. And like, we can have this, these conversations, but it's like to unlearn and rethink these things. It's like this constant thing that we all have to do. Um, and I'm still doing like, I'm not, um, like it would be hypocritical of me not to say that, um, as well. Cause like my, you know, as a sex worker, my job definitely depends on, beauty and mm-hmm. thinness and, and also in all sorts of weird things. So it's a complicated <laughs> issue for sex workers. I yeah. Think. And that's mm-hmm. see, even that word too, because even when you're speaking about that, like for me and given my history and backgrounds are different, cause I come from a place of like having an eating disorder and having to get help with all of those things. Mm-hmm. But like even that word fat for me to say, like when you're saying for thin people to say that word, it's, it's bad. Like it's hard for them. And that's very hard for me. Yeah. Like, because for me, that word is triggering for my own issues Mm -hmm. so like that's hard to navigate even like I understand entirely what you're saying and it processes but then for me with my background and what I bring into context to a conversation like I can't say that word because like it makes me want to revisit bad behaviors it makes me want you know Mm -hmm. so that's just it's very complex it's very complex yeah I mean I think that a lot of the like um a lot of the uh people who work in like fat liberation talk about the fact that like we want to use that word because if we change that into just a descriptor like I'm tall or I'm short or I'm fat or I'm thin like as words that don't carry like a lot of um that are just descriptions you know that aren't like judgments to remove the power from that but I think like I appreciate what you're saying because like it's uh it's so like ingrained in our culture that like that's bad yeah that you're not supposed to use that word yeah Yeah. and I think that's why you we've seen like body types and different things like that change over like even my lifetime like Mm -hmm. um I was born in the early 90s so I was like an adolescent in like the late 90s 2000s and that was like Kate Moss cocaine skinny and Britney Spears with her tiny low-rise jeans and you know you know (laughs) Becky you know is my ass too big Becky with the big butt that was all whole thing um and now what like 20 years later um everybody's getting like their third round bbl kim kardashian is the quintessential like standard of beauty um you know which is a whole 
you know, in, in that, that span of time. So I think like mm-hmm. there, the sting of the word fat is, you know, it's slowly coming out, but mm-hmm. like all progressions, it's slow and it kind of is not fair to the people that are dealing with it right now, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I want to go back to something you mentioned too, because of this kind of evolution of how the ideal body standard have changed from like that low rise skinny jeans, which look good on no one, by the way, all the way to this Kim K like big ass like trend, which is the huge thing. And the, something you mentioned was the BBLs and like the surgery and the body modification that happens um, very often, especially in our industry because our body is our product. Um, and I wanted to kind of get into that and unpack that for a second, because like I'm someone that, you know, I've done all the Botox, lip fillers, breast dog, all these things. And and I get asked all the time, like, are your breasts real? Is this real? What you've done too much or your nose is fake. I'm like, you guys are picking out stuff that I haven't altered. There's a huge, <laughs> huge range of things you could attack that I have, but okay. Um, I kind of want to unpack that. So being a, like a performer and with the, all of your experiences, how has it been making body modifications? Um, it's funny because I feel like people have really like adverse reactions to plastic surgery, Mm -hmm. even though we are like, you know, in that progression of like body positivity or, um, what have you, like our relationships with plastic surgery has changed because even like 10 or 20 years ago, if someone got like, if someone got breast implants or lipo, it was like a scandal, Mm -hmm. even celebrities, even Mm -hmm. people that had access or like reasons outside of you know, whatever to do it, their yeah. own, you know, their own reasons to do it. And now like everybody is getting plastic surgery or at yeah. least talking about it. Maybe everybody's yeah. always been doing it, but the stigma was there and we didn't <laughs> want to talk about it. Um, but I think that makes it so at the, so at the other side of that, I think as someone who is like posting on my body online and mm-hmm. sharing it with people, I think I have, um, I guess reason to do so or like I can justify it with people if that makes sense mm-hmm. um, yeah. in talking about it and I think it's easier to have a platform I think if you're just like a civilian maybe talking about your breast implants or your like fake butt is not um, yeah. you know like you're mm-hmm. not going on Facebook and just like telling your friends to it. Like, yeah. um, <laughs> whereas I'm like posting updates on my social media um, so I guess like maybe it's a a good thing that we've had, we've had that privilege. Um, but I Mm -hmm. definitely feel like, uh, we still have some work to do socially because I feel like a lot of fans and clients, you know, like we've, I, we think we've all shared that we've had like kind of those, um, you know, like fans and clients saying those things about, picking us, picking on us about, you know, our body modifications or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, like, I feel like that's because we still have stigma attached to getting yeah. plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like, when we, when we deal with that stigma at the root of it, maybe we won't be like asking women, like, are your breasts real? Are they yeah. kind of like yeah. big boobs or, um, yeah. cause that was like the, the feedback that, that I would get. Good. Like, I don't like that because it, it looks fake and it's like, well, maybe there's really conservative, really whatever plastic surgery that you wouldn't be able to tell. And like, what's real and what's not yeah. real. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. they ask me like, are your boobs real? They don't real? even know. They have this idea <laughs> that they don't like it, but they don't even know because I've had like clients who are like, Oh, I love big naturals. And Same. I'm like, 
Okay. They're like, I love that I your boobs are real. I'm like, okay, real expensive. <laughs> yeah. So. And I think that uh, even you, like, even if you have like scars, I don't think they notice a lot of things, you know. And then they're like, oh, I love it that you have natural, like a, a natural body, like whatever a natural body is. They're and, so oblivious. Um. Yeah, I find that really interesting. But yeah, I think there's like in in fat liberation, there's a term like body neutral. And I like that. Like, I don't want to be body positive. I don't think that everybody needs to be a good body or a beautiful body. Like, if you want to be a swamp creature, and like, whatever, (laughs) like, we should support you in it, you know, just like we should support people if they want to get, you know, plastic surgery or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I feel like body positive like not all bodies are positive yeah <laughs> like, you know you know i uh we're all we didn't none of us asked to be in this material world none of us asked to be right. in these bodies right so we're kind of we're you just know, dealing that with that wind yeah yeah so <laughs> yeah. i'm like let's just not even body positive just yeah i like that too this idea that's of like, a great yeah it's just like more too. more ra- like more radical in it um yeah yeah <laughs> right right yeah um is there anything else that you like are thinking about? No, that, to- that that was the big one for me was like that that surgery piece because I, I see so much of that on Twitter. It's like, well, then they got lipo or then they got this. And I'm like, well, so what? Like, mm-hmm. don't we still have agency over our bodies yeah. even though we're public people? Like, I don't understand why that gets yeah. lost. And I can see that being like a result of like like it's really common in like marginalized spaces for there to be like a hierarchy within Mm -hmm. the community Mm -hmm. so i feel like that's why in sex like the sex work space or like um even like the lgbtq spaces that i've been in or bdsm Mm -hmm. spaces that i've been in that's why you see such a like intense amount of body like straight up fascism because like there are these like fringe communities but they're still so heavily invested into like mainstream narratives around bodies Mm -hmm. and those mainstream narratives are usually like be tiny and thin and like look a very certain way um and I think that that's maybe why sex workers on top of like that, we are subject to the male gaze and like that directly hits our bottom line. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a really good critical way to be like, do I, how, I, how do I want to interact with this and how do I want to play this game and balance yeah. it? But mm-hmm. I think also it's because we're so, because we're in these communities that are so truly critical about it yeah. like yeah. on top of the, the monetary part of it right um, because i don't know I've, I've definitely worked in fashion and beauty and it's the same kind of vibe where it's very much like people are very um invested in how they look um mm-hmm. which i totally understand you know yeah. yeah so yeah thanks so much for chatting with us where can people find you um, so you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Ramona Flower, F-L-O-U-R. Um, and my website is RamonaFlower.com too. Nice. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ramona. <laughs> Jacqueline Harris is a companion, medical professional, and mother based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Welcome, Jacqueline. We're here with Jacqueline Harris. How are you doing? All right. How are you? Good. We're very happy to have you on today. Very excited. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Can you tell our audience a little bit about who you are and what kind of work you do? Well, I am a full service escort. I um, am independent. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also cater to those who are interested in lactation. Mm -hmm. 
That's awesome. I'm so excited. This is so cool. So excited to hear all about this. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, um, so now you're, you're lactating now and you're like advertising that. Tell me a little bit about like how, like who comes to you, what their interests are. Um, if that's a fetish, like tell us, tell us a little bit about that. It's an extreme fetish. Um, well, I call it an extreme fetish, but I'm sure like a lot of people in the BDSM community would think like, oh, it's kind of mild. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I honestly didn't even know that this was a thing. Um, well, you guys know that I was, you know, last year I was pregnant mm-hmm. and I worked during my pregnancy. And that was when I first learned that pregnancy itself was like a huge fetish. Yeah. Um, and people really just love beautiful pregnant women. Mm-hmm. Um, did that surprise you? Did you, w- when you first got pregnant and you were working, did you think it was, how did you think it was going to impact your work? Well, I thought I wasn't going to be able to work at all. Um, mm-hmm. I honestly thought that I would just take photos and post the photos and just feel like, you know, documenting my pregnancy and then yeah. work once I had the baby, you know, later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was very surprised by the amount of people who were interested in meeting up with me. And it wasn't even just for full service. It was just to cuddle or to rub my belly or to feed me. Like I had people who booked just because they wanted to watch me eat. (laughs) (laughs) Like the eating for two thing or like, how did they, were they just interested in pregnant women eating like what yes what, they were interested the in pregnant women eating that's, um, cool. <laughs> that's so cool <laughs> that's why i always have concerns because i'm i'm fully digital but like even with my line of like my type of work or sex work like i'm like do i like pre-shoot a bunch of content that'll get me through nine months or do i highlight the fact that i'm pregnant and like will my fans like that or dislike that and it's so refreshing and like I don't know, makes me happy to hear that that was your experience because it makes me feel like, okay, I can just do something different for this period <laughs> of my life and like evolve. <laughs> this is exciting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They love it. And um, during my pregnancy, a lot of people were asking me, are you lactating? When are you lactating? Let me know when you're lactating. And um, I'm also a healthcare professional. So, mm-hmm. you know, the nurse like jumped out at me and I was like, you know, a lot of people don't lactate until after they have their kids. And like, <laughs> um, but I did have a lot of people asking about it. Um, and so now I cater specifically to it just because it's something that my body does naturally. Right. And um, I, it will, you know, I can't stop it. So if you see me, you know, you like milk, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, I'm kind of curious about this. So like you're you're obviously like catering toward like them and their desires but is there something like do you feel like your sexuality like changed after you became a mom and that there's ways that like this taps in for you too that's kind of like i'm not sure how to answer that because i don't really see it as sexual Mm -hmm. i think like before i had children you know, breast play and all that. I was really into it. Like, Ooh, yeah. yeah, this is what I like. And then mm-hmm. once I had children and my breasts became tools for yeah. like nourishment yeah. for my mm-hmm. kids, like, I just, I don't see them very sexually. Yeah. But, uh, I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people do. And I guess, yeah. you know, is there a sexual element for the person, like the adult? 
breastfeeder, I guess. Like, how is that sexual for them? Like, I just, I'm trying to understand because that's me. It wouldn't seem like that either, but I guess, I mean, you're an adult, so you obviously don't need it. Um, I don't know how that works out. Like, what is the sexual element for them, for the client? I'm not sure. I would, you know, I would just think it's, you know, big, beautiful breast. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, sweet nectar from the goddess, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. <laughs> so interesting. Yeah. So do you feel like, um, so was business for you better when you were pregnant now that you're like breastfeeding? It definitely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I started full service in January of 2020. Oh, like the wow. worst time. The worst. Yeah. <laughs> right before. Uh, yeah. Before that I had done like some sugaring and yeah. Uh, yeah, I just transitioned over at the start of the pandemic and things were not good. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Um, but as soon as I became pregnant, like the, it, like the people that just wanted to take care of me, it was, it was mm. very nice. And I had, um, my first fly me to you when I was pregnant and oh. you know, people just, they're like, yes, come see us. We, we want you. And I was like, yeah. Oh, yay. And, uh, now, yeah, it's the milk. They want to see it. And it's, it's hard for me to advertise because I don't do anything explicit. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's really hard to like, Oh yeah, I have milk, you know, but <laughs> I can't show you because that would be putting it all out there. Yeah. I will occasionally post like a short video and then I delete it a couple days later. (laughs) (laughs) Those those disclaimers like might delete later. (laughs) I really mean it. Like I'll leave it for a few days, like maybe a week and then it's gone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, I'm actually like, it's interesting to me. Do you feel like, um, so like, you're saying like the volume is better or there's more people who are interested, but are they different too? Like, do you feel like clientele is different? It is. It is. Um, it's, it's a little different from your typical, uh, full service client where, you know, you, you, you come in you go through the motions and then, you know, they leave. Um, now a lot of them seek a little more comfort. And like, like Mm. I said before, it might be like the mother thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they want more connection and then, there are some people that just want to play in it. Like, you know, you just kind of spray mm. it at them and they, and they, and they <laughs> play in it. I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. It's definitely different. Um, yeah. But a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. That's so neat. Like it's, it's neat. I've, um, as somebody who's like, well, as a mom, because I'm a mom um, and I feel like there's something that feels like very wholesome to me about like loving women's bodies, like pregnant bodies, lactating bodies. Like I, um, I don't think of it like in the same way that like you're saying, I don't think of it as like sexual, like for me, but I think like, I think pregnant and nursing bodies are beautiful. (laughs) Um, and I like that other people appreciate that too. It's the most gorgeous thing ever. Yeah. And, um, it was crazy. I expected a lot of hate when Mm -hmm. I was pregnant and I did get a lot of hate, but it wasn't from the men. It was from other providers Yeah, told me that what I was doing was wrong. 
and that my child didn't consent to be used yeah, that way. I was going to ask about that. So it's like on the flip side of her, I've seen it like scrolling through, you know, sex yeah. work Twitter, where it's like, you're exploiting your unborn child and all this. I'm like, I don't know if I agree with that, but yeah. then, like consent, but babies can't consent. Like, I don't, I don't know. Also, there's like, it's still your own body. Yeah, also your <laughs> own body doesn't work that way. You know, you're not really touching the child at all. Right. Really <laughs> yeah, anatomy. I totally get that. Is there anything that like we like didn't ask about or that you like came to understand like through doing this work that you didn't that was new to you or you didn't necessarily think about or we didn't ask about um no not really um I definitely my views on sex work as as a whole changed once I became a sex worker I talk about it a lot my family's extremely religious Mm. Uh, my father was a preacher wow and all of my brothers are preachers. Wow, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, there are 10 of us and I am the only girl. You have so, nine brothers and they're all yeah, preachers? all preachers. Oh my gosh, that's so, a whole story, wow. So yeah, it's religion all day, every day, church three days a week. It's, <laughs> wow. it's a very, very routine and strict religion. Um, so I did have some very conservative views on sex work. Mm -hmm. Um, I was married and divorced and dated on and off. And then I came across my first sugar daddy who wanted to just take care of me and, Mm -hmm. you know, took me places. And I thought, oh, that's very nice. So I joined Seeking and I tried to find another one and that, you know, how that is. Yeah. (laughs) And then I came across, uh, Escort. Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I followed a lot of you, actually. I followed for a while before yeah. I thought, you know, like, oh, I'm going to oh, really? give this a yeah. shot. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. like, what's the difference yeah. between escorting and sugaring? Right. So I was like, you know, I'm going to try it. And uh, once I did step into the world, I realized that it really wasn't any different and that, you know, mm-hmm. like, sex workers aren't really doing anything wrong. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. if it's consensual and, you know, they're two adults and nobody's being hurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then I don't really, I'm starting to question my own upbringing and my own beliefs. Like what, like, what is this? What do I really believe? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Very, it's, yeah. It's very nice. so interesting. Yeah. Does it feel like, um, sounds like it's like changed a lot about your life. That's a 180. Yeah, it has. It has. Um, I actually, I don't want to say I've gained a little more self-respect since mm-hmm. becoming a, a sex worker. Like, I'm not quite sure what other way to phrase it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been on a number of dates and, you know, I've had my fair share of hookups, you know, for free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I look back and I think like, man, I probably could have avoided a lot of heartache mm-hmm. and a lot of um, unfortunate situations had I put more of a requirement on those people, Yeah, which mm-hmm. I've learned how to do through sex work. Like, hey, I'm not going to go on a date with you if you expect X, Y, Z, or right. if I don't get, you know, LMNOP, like without yeah. the, you know, without the hobby board acronyms. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. I feel like that too, just in life in general. Like I feel like not even just like in like sexual relationships, but like in work, like in Mm -hmm. vanilla work, I feel like I would tiptoe around like wanting to get paid for work, you know? And, and now I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. If you don't pay me, (laughs) you know, that there's just lots of ways that like, it's so like ingrained in our socialization to be like nice and not talk about money and not ask for what we want. And for me, like getting into sex work, like gave me so many skills that like, I didn't learn anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Even with my, my day job, you know, during the pandemic, they weren't paying a lot of nurses extra yeah and they wanted you to work you know 16 hour days and i'm like you know if i'm gonna do that you're, you're gonna have to give me some money and this is, yeah. this is what i want and this is what i'm gonna do this yeah. is the time i'm gonna show up and the time i'm gonna leave and, yeah. they, like, and they agreed because a they needed people and like you know what are you what are you gonna do and uh b you made yourself like firm you know yeah right i mean I might hurt someone's feelings, maybe some swerf that might listen to this or whatever. But like, honestly, I think the most feminist thing you can do is be a sex worker. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I agree too. I agree. Well, I mean, I think that yeah. like in our culture, we're already like underpaid and we're hypersexualized. So like, whether we like it or not. Right. <laughs> exactly. Why not, why not just lean into that? Yeah. Why not just cut the crap? Like you're gonna sexualize me anyway. You're gonna look yeah. at my breasts anyway. Yeah. Um, so like yeah, no free rides. You just yeah. exactly. no free rides. That is the quote we should end on. This is yeah. amazing. That's amazing. Um for everyone listening, where can they find you or or any of your work? Uh well, uh the biggest thing is Twitter at Miss Jacqueline H. Um you know, I have my ads up. I have a website, MissJacquelineHarris.com. Everything, if it's me, is going to be Miss Jacqueline Harris or Miss Jacqueline H. Nice. Okay. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, this was amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Trip Richards has been a sex worker for eight years, including through the entirety of his gender transition. He continues to produce porn full-time and also works on a variety of educational and advocacy projects related to transgender people and the destigmatization of sex work. Hi, Trip. Thank you for joining us. Welcome. Thank to the you show. for having me. Yeah. So um, can you introduce yourself to our guests? Oh, sure. Um, <laughs> I am Trip Richards. <laughs> I am a transgender man. Um, I've been in sex work for just about eight years now. And I um, obviously currently produce adult content, produce porn. And um, I also have kind of made a, a place for myself working in advocacy, education, and trying to talk about like that whole intersection of sex worker issues, trans issues, and, um, you know, just kind of have a voice that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for people who aren't watching, you are wearing a tank top or for people who aren't watching the video, video yeah. mm-hmm. you're watching it wearing a tank top. This is legalized trans, which is awesome. For That's this video. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Um, yeah, I, I selected it because it was actually a shirt made for me by a friend. Um, oh, cool. And pardon me for the croakiness. I don't have COVID. I'm not dying. I'm just croaky. <laughs> um, it was made for me by a friend who actually passed away this year. So oh. it's a way for me to kind of like, you know, carry forward the message of his work. Um, and his brand and obviously perfect for what we're talking about. Yeah. 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 So you, you've been in the industry for eight years. That's a long time. Yeah. It's crazy. I was just realizing (laughs) like, holy shit, that's like basically my entire adult life. Yeah. Yeah. How old were you when you entered? If, actually, okay. I don't know if you want to I'm, like trying, to, I'm trying to do math. (laughs) 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 Give me a minute. Um, it must've been, I must've been 23. 
Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you, while, I mean, one of the things that's interesting about your career is that you transitioned like while on camera, basically. I did. Um, So yeah, I mean, if we do the math, I transitioned six years ago. I've been doing sex work eight years. mm -hmm. There was a definite a chunk there where I was doing it as a different person in a different body, in a different life. And I mean, if I can jump kind of right into what we're talking about for me, yeah. I mean, for me, like, being able to be in in a sex work position in such a body front, body focused mm-hmm. position during that time of untangling who I am, um, you know, figuring out what is my sexuality orientation, what is my gender, um, what am I into, to be doing all of those things in a very public facing way, mm-hmm. um, you know, as a sex worker was like really, really inextricable to that process. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't think I could have. I don't think I could have had the space to do those things if I was not doing them like as a sex worker. I wanted to ask because you went through this transition in front of the camera and in real time with your fans and, and colleagues and peers. Was what was something I guess that stood out that was particularly difficult about that, or particularly like surprisingly? Uh, positive about that because I have a hard time looking at just my old content as a whole. Like, <laughs> yeah, so cringe. Like, what did I do? Like, like why did time. I make that face? So, like, amplified <laughs> by like such a life changing moment for you. I- I'm so curious what that's like. Uh, real short answer. It was fucking terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, with hindsight, I've I've been able to put it all together into this kind of story of my life and say, yeah. you know, there was the chance to figure myself out, fund my transition, um, have experiences, you know, really beautiful stuff. But along the way, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? This is scary. This yeah. is uncharted territory. Yeah. Um, this is rebranding before I even know what my new brand is. I mean, yeah. I didn't know how I would look, what I would be into, whether there would even be a market at all for somebody, you know, existing in a transmasculine body. I mean, yeah. I truly did not know those things. Um, so, yeah, it was at the time, it was just like, you know, trying to wade through all of this. And now I'm like, oh, well, you know, it's, it seems a lot smoother with the benefit of hindsight. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, you break out something that really interesting about transness, which is that like, you didn't actually know what, what you were going to look like. Yeah. I didn't know where it would go. Yeah. yeah. You didn't know like how masculine am I going to look? What is this yeah. going to be? And, um, and like for the people who aren't like watching this for the people who are only listening on the podcast, like you have a very masculine presentation yes. you have a beard, you have broad shoulders, you look very masculine. Like I do have painted nails today though, just to balance it out. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Lest anyone think I'm stereotypical in any respect. <laughs> I'm not actually trying to, uh, you know, um, I know I'm just teasing. Uh, anything to you, but I think that like, you know, that's interesting like to think about, you know, when we go into branding, um, because I've done this at different points, like I've changed my name same mm-hmm. twice um, in this career. And I think like, okay, what is it that I'm going to market? Like, what yeah. am I going to focus on? What is that going to look like? That what, part you know, does me in really bad because that's my background is in marketing and, and branding is so like who I am in my business. So yeah. like not knowing the uh, the finish line, what that even is and having to yeah, navigate I, like, that is impossible. That's the first time, like, I don't know why this has never occurred to me before. But when you said that, I was like, wait, yeah, you don't actually know what's <laughs> it's because no clue. Absolutely no clue. I mean, I was laughing about what you were saying of like, you know, looking back at your earlier videos and cringing. 
I say even like my earlier presenting mail, but earlier videos where I looked, you know, super young, yeah. um, just like super baby face, more than just like the six year of difference because transition yeah. is really like resetting puberty. Yeah. So I literally looked like I was 13 for a long time in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I look back and I'm like, oh, wow. Like, even though I was presenting male, quote, branded the same as I am now, you know, Trip Richards, Triple X Trans Man, yada, yada. It was like, I was really a totally different performer. Yeah. Um, and I was playing a totally different role in my videos. Um, and also that I was being, I was being viewed as a very different person than I am yeah. now. Mm -hmm. um, so it really feels like this continuing evolution of, you know, figuring out who I am and who I am as a worker. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's just like everything keeps shifting and changing. I think yeah. more so even than just like you would expect over like an eight year career. Yeah. Have you found, um, and I was just thinking about this because I've had this experience where like, there's something about my body or my look or whatever that attracts like a certain type of thing that I didn't think about before I got into mm -hmm. sex work. And then I found that I was like, I don't know why everybody wants me to do that. And then I was like, actually, this is awesome. I'm into mm. it. Like, do you feel like there's things that like you were like, um, where you learned through sex work about things that actually you really enjoyed that you maybe wouldn't have thought about outside of this? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and the reason I'm not even hundred percent on that is because so much of my sexual evolution has occurred yeah. on yeah. camera. I mean, I'd only been with one partner before I started sex work. Yeah. So mm -hmm. like literally my entire sexual debut into the world yeah. has been through the lens of doing it professionally. Yeah. So like, who knows what I would have been into <laughs> Probably yeah. super, super boring if I'd not been a sex worker. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. like, I agree with you, but I also can't even imagine it being any other way. Right. Yeah, that's it's so It's almost like you're living, like, your evolution in sex work has been almost like this reality show of your life because it's like, oh, like you lived it all out in real time on yeah. camera. Like, yeah, exactly. Richard, keeping up with Trip Richards. Like, that's, <laughs> that's amazing. It's amazing and also terrifying because the vulnerability that goes into something like that is extraordinary. It and feels like, really vulnerable sometimes. You know, yeah. even like, you know, some of the sites where, where like an older video clip will pop up or something. Yeah. And I'm like, really my entire career slash life same thing has been documented has been public facing yeah. um you know for better or worse it's there and and kind of what i was saying in the beginning it's like as a sex worker and doing sex work in a trans body i feel like i'm constantly confronting these things like yeah. i can't not have opinions on them i can't not yeah. see them i can't yeah. pretend it's not happening like i am i am just very much in touch with I'm in contact with my existence, you know, in this, in this meat sack of a body. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't, I can't not be um, aware of it or hyper aware of it. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think, I think for some people, you know, that's what burns them out. For me, it's become actually a super, um, super affirming and confidence building experience, but it is very much like you got to confront it like full on confront it. Yeah. yeah. This brings me to the, the concept of, cause like so many performers and obviously this is such a difficult, uh, complicated 
uh, experience for you because it was all on camera in real time and it's very genuine to your experience. But like so many of us have personas where we like log on and we're like, oh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just press play and then end scene <laughs> and I'm the regular me. But you really don't have that luxury because you were figuring it all out. Have you ever come to a place where you're like, I'm going to launch this persona because this is what I know is going to sell content, and make money, and I'm going to turn it off and I'm going to be myself now that you've kind of gone through and navigated this and, and gotten to know your authentic self? Was there ever a decision? I don't think so. I think I'm such a terrible, terrible actor that I just, I always just show up as who I am for better or worse. Now, obviously who I am, you know, changes day to day or over the course of years, certainly. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'm always very much like I am playing me. Yeah. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. That's how I approach work too, because I don't, I'm not good at that. I can't stay in character. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I really can't. <laughs> I'm always happy. <laughs> and I, I don't want to do some kind of virtue signaling of, oh, I'm so genuine. Like for no. me, it's just, yeah. I'm yeah. a crappy actor. I'm crappy at role play. What you see is what you get, even if what you get, you know, does keep evolving. And um, that's, that certainly has been part of my experience. One of the things that you said that I want to kind of pick up on, you were talking about like subverting, subverting these like um, labels, labels. I was wondering how much of your work you think is political. Like, do you think of your work as political? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's super disruptive. Yeah. I I mean, to me, to me, being a sex worker and a trans sex worker is like, how could I not be in advocacy? How could my work not be political? How could it not have like a broader message? You know, it's it's inextricable. Like, I I don't think there's any way it couldn't become those things. Right. Um, I mean, I certainly embrace it by being a little bit more, a little bit more on the outspoken side than not. Oh, hello. Mm -hmm. Hi, Kitty. But <laughs> he's just very, very interested in everything that I'm doing. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I've, I've certainly embraced that part of my work, mm-hmm. but it's like I can't exist in a body that the world has opinions on, that the world is trying to erase actively, yeah, right, right. Um, that the world does not recognize, or when they do recognize, it has a lot of negative, negative affect. Um, yeah. Like I, I can't be neutral about it because I have to fight for my space as a trans person, as a sex worker, um, as somebody who is making and remaking myself. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great place to end. Do you have other questions or do you have anything that you, we didn't ask you about that you think is really important to this conversation? Well, I mean, you and I always cover, cover good stuff, but uh, (laughs) I guess, I guess the only thought I was kind of having as I was getting ready to get on here with you is the people who go into sex work, Mm-hmm. We, I think we mostly do it for socioeconomic reasons. You know, we're, yeah. we're, it's a job. Yeah. Not, not trying to put any, any fluff on it. It's a job. Right. But I also think there's something really interesting about how many minorities end up in sex work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that, that it's, is that very fact of confronting a body, putting out that body, being, being so boldly in that body that the world has so many opinions on yeah. and tries so hard to erase in so many ways, mm-hmm. trans bodies, black bodies, fat bodies, whatever it is. Yeah. Like, I think it's so interesting that those are the bodies that are actually so prevalent in sex work. Right. So it's like, it, is, it, it feels like really claiming that body mm-hmm. um, and just like really taking ownership of this is who I am, like it or not, like yeah. this, this is me and being so body front, you know, so body focused right. as sex work is. It's like yeah. my trans body is there. 
Right. And if you see it, you have to deal with it. Yeah. Right. And I think there's something really powerful about that. Yeah. I live in this body. Um, you can like it or not. <laughs> um, can't separate it from anything. Else. And I yeah. love the language you used about confronting that confrontation. Yeah. Because as and we've talked about this with another yeah. guest as well, but like my like I had a, a struggle with like eating disorder and all of that mm-hmm. and then coming into sex work and it was a love cam where I had that feedback, yeah. like having that loop is what taught me how to love myself because it was like oh, completely what I look like, not loving it, obviously. <laughs> and then having a room full of people counter my negative self-talk in real time. That 100%. Really yes. Like, yes. Appreciate and kind of heal from my own trauma. So like, I wonder if that is ever like, a, obviously a trans, I guess a cam models experience where they can kind of help you fall in love with your. Oh, completely. During this. Yeah. Trip. I mean, at this point I feel like I have such an armor of confidence because of all of those comments, because of all that repartee from people mm-hmm. that like one, one negative comment at this point has no meaning in, in yeah. the, you know, in the, the broader con- context of yeah. hearing all the good things, yeah. Yeah. you know, we, we get the last laugh at the end yeah. of the day when it comes to our bodies. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I've, I've built up such, a, such an armor that way of confidence, mm-hmm. of self-image that nothing really does get through. And that's, if there's anything that I'm most grateful for in sex work, it is that over the years I've built up who I am as both the persona and the on-camera person, but also that is who I am. Because like Mm -hmm. I said, you know, I'm not turning it on. I'm not playing a role. That actually does become who I exist in like 24 seven. Yeah. No, this was really, I love talking to you. Thank you so Yeah, for your time. And also your impact, because that was really enlightening, honestly. Um, It really was. And then where can people find you and your work as well? Everywhere. I am everywhere. I am I am ubiquitous on the internet. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you Google triple X trans man, T-R-I-P-L-E-X-T-R-A-N-S-M-A-N, um, mm-hmm. you will find me. I'm okay. just for fans, only fans, Twitter, Instagram, every other fan page out there. <laughs> I am. I am every. I am everywhere. I am everything. I am you cannot everywhere. escape me. <laughs> the thing that really is sticking out to me about that conversation, the conversations we've had around bodies was this, I, the term body neutral. Yeah. That was yeah. a standout for me. Yeah. Because we have this whole like body positive rhetoric and it yes. almost makes, um, people feel pressure to feel a certain way about their body. And, yes. um, and if you don't feel a certain way about your body, you're somehow like failing at the project of body positivity and you want to be body positive. And there are just things that I don't like about my body and that should be okay too. Yeah. It is yours <laughs> after all. Yeah. So <laughs> I couldn't agree more that yeah. that was definitely a standout moment. And also mm-hmm. the way that people have, have had to, you know, overcome trauma, relate mm-hmm. to their body, find healing in their body. And I love the common theme of mm-hmm. a lot of that happening through sex work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that like, that's something that for people who are outside of sex work, they like can't imagine because yeah, we have this like, we have this like cultural rhetoric of like, I don't know, women just like having their body, like uh, of somehow our bodies, like not being our, our own anymore. Yeah. And what we keep finding and having these conversations of, with sex workers about their relationship with their body is that like, it's it's through that work for a lot of people that their bodies become their own. Yes, which exactly. is really interesting. It's like a flip of this uh, script that we have about selling our bodies. Or- yes, but it, it, it makes perfect sense, right? Because mm-hmm. it's this thing that you've you know societally been told that isn't really yours to begin yeah. with, and then when right. you finally step into that, it's almost like how can you not find some healing or some like. Um, 
uh, agency once you yeah. step into yourself. And, and that's right. something I think a large portion of non-sex workers don't get to experience, sadly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. And this whole like idea, the other thing that kept coming up is like how body central like our work is yeah. regardless of whether you're doing like full service work mm-hmm. or doing clip work or doing fetish work or cam work or even phone work you're yeah. still using your body in that your body's still a part of the fantasy you know and i think that um it's so um it's interesting to think about like what it means to have like a very body forward work because we all yeah. use our bodies in our work, uh, you know, in different ways. So mm-hmm. even if you have a desk job, you're sit- you're sitting at a certain place, like typing at the computer or doing mm-hmm. whatever it is that you do. If you have a construction job, you're obviously using your body if you're a laborer, but like we use our bodies, but it's more than that. Like we use our bodies, but our bodies are also the product. Yeah. You know, we yes. don't use our bodies to create a project product. Our bodies are the product. Mm-hmm. And I think that that changes our relationship to our bodies in ways that are really kind of profound. Very profound. I think that the whole episode was profound. And mm-hmm. I, I think we had awesome guests that were really enlightening and really brought a lot to the table and yeah. educated me as always. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, this was awesome. And I hope everyone listening got as much out of it as we, as did. we did. Yeah. Thank you for joining us for another episode of On the Horizon, a podcast about what's on the horizon for sex workers and how to navigate it. I'm Jesse Sage, and you can find me on Twitter at sapiotextual and at jessiesage.com. And I am Melrose Michaels, and you can find me at Melrose Michaels on social and at melrosemichaels.com. Remember, if you want bonus footage from today's episode, you can always subscribe to us on Anchor for $9.99 a month to access all the footage we couldn't include on today's show.